So we're starting a new sermon series together today in the book of Proverbs. I'm excited to be opening this book up with you over the course of the next few weeks. And the way Proverbs is kind of written and structured means it's a little bit different. So we're not necessarily going to have the kind of traditional Bible reading at the beginning of the message, but we're going to kind of interweave some scripture throughout the sermon. Now, I don't know if you have looked at Proverbs much in your own time, in your own life. It's an amazing book of the Bible, as all books of the Bible are. And what we find when we open up the book of Proverbs is that it is full of meaty, meaty wisdom, which is designed to draw us closer to God and to help us to live in a godly way. And let's face it, We live in a world, don't we, which needs wisdom right now. In fact, we live in a world which absolutely cries out for wisdom. You've only got to look on social media to see that. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's full of posts, isn't it? With these kind of pithy quotes on which are designed to make you go, ah, that's lovely. I'm going to repost that or I'm going to retweet that because that says something to me. We cry out for wisdom. And when we think of modern day proverbs, there's a lot of modern day proverbs which simply roll off the tongue, don't they? Don't count your chickens before they've hatched. Don't bite off more than you can chew. A jack of all trades is a master of none. How about these ones though? A peacock who just sits on his tail is just another turkey. A deaf husband and a blind wife always make a happy couple. A husband is someone who takes out the rubbish but gives the impression that he has cleaned the whole house. Give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and he'll sit on a boat and drink beer all day. (laughs) Thankfully, the wisdom of Proverbs is a little bit more helpful than that. I don't know how much you know about the book of Proverbs, but unsurprisingly, Proverbs forms part of the wisdom literature in Scripture. There are five books in the Bible which are called wisdom literature. There's Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon, and Proverbs. And Proverbs is a collection, really, of short sayings that are full of principles which help us to live our life in the way that God has intended us to. They're written in a way which is meant to help us order and shape our lives in a godly fashion. And the book of Proverbs was a book written by a man named Solomon. Solomon is the son of David. And what we will see as we spend time in this book together is that over the course of our time, there is wisdom really for almost every single area of life in these 31 short chapters. We can look at things about how we raise our kids, about what it means to be a godly spouse. We can look at how anger affects us, how pride affects us. We can see how we should manage our money well. And the first seven verses of the book of Proverbs really spell out for us what the whole book is about. The first seven verses are perhaps the longest title to any title in scripture and this is what it says. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise 
and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. In effect, when we talk about Proverbs and when we look at this book together, what we see really is a course in the art of living. It's not simply enough to be educated and to have knowledge about how to live. What Proverbs teaches us is that it requires wisdom as well. And if we want to know God, I mean really know God, know him intimately and have a relationship which not only impacts our own life, but impacts the lives of those around us and the world around us, wisdom has to be at the heart of it. Proverbs 9 and verse 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you want to know God's, you need to obtain wisdom. The Bible, therefore, puts this really high emphasis on the role that wisdom plays in every part of our life and how we can truly know God as a result of it. And with that in mind this morning, I really want to ask three questions. Number one, what is wisdom? Number two, how does it help me know God? And number three, how do I get wisdom for myself? So what is wisdom? Well, the dictionary defines wisdom as the ability to to discern what is true and what is right. So therefore, when we think about wisdom, what we see is that wisdom has both moral and intellectual implications. It's moral because it helps us to discern what is right. And it's intellectual because it helps us to discern what is true. Someone put it like this. Wisdom is the God-given ability to perceive the true nature of a matter and implement the will of God in that matter. The original Hebrew word for wisdom in scripture helps us really to get a broader understanding of what wisdom from a a godly biblical sense is all about. The Hebrew word for wisdom is the word chokmah. And this is a word which was originally used to describe what the job of the weavers did when they weaved these kind of beautiful and these elaborate garments for the high priests. And when it came to their job, these weavers, they were called to follow the exact specifications of the particular design that God had given. And their ability to follow these exact specifications of this design was labelled as wisdom. So when we think of the word wisdom, what the Israelites associated with this word was really a skill for living. Just like those weavers had to follow the exact plan that God had given them to make the garments in the exact way that they were supposed to be fashioned, wisdom, therefore, is the ability for us to be able to follow God's plan for our lives. A wise person is someone who patterns their finances, their goals, their relationships on the specifications that we read about in God's words. And this really is what the book of Proverbs teaches us. If you want to live a godly way, if you want to live as God has always intended you to live, then this is how to do it. And with that in mind, let's jump briefly to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, when we read these words. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep broke open, and the clouds dropped down their dew. 
Notice here that the author of Proverbs is using this kind of construction terminology here to help us understand the relationship between God's creation and wisdom. He kind of paints this picture, doesn't he, of God being the master architect and wisdom being the builder. As the architect God designs this blueprint for the universe, it's wisdom that ultimately builds from that blueprint. And wisdom is really what we need to fulfill God's purposes in our own life. The great news today is that God is the master architect. God has plans and he has purposes for your life. He knew you before the beginning of the world. The Bible tells us that we are God's workmanship created for good works in Christ Jesus, which were made before the foundation of the earth. God has that design for your life, but we need the wisdom of God to help us to fulfill that design to bring that blueprint to fruition so the main question really is this if wisdom is the god-given ability to be able to follow god's plans and therefore fulfill god's purposes in our life how on earth do we get it you see it's relatively easy, isn't it, to acquire knowledge on something if you really want to. If you read enough books, if you attend college and you listen to certain people speak for long enough, sooner or later you are going to acquire knowledge about certain things. You can have a mind which is relatively full of facts relatively easily if you put the effort in. But knowledge and wisdom are really two totally different things. In fact, I was speaking to a Christian businessman not so long ago who seeks to go about his business in a really godly way, in a godly fashion. But he was telling me that some of the people that he comes across in the world of business, multi-millionaires who have made fortunes doing what they do, have got themselves mixed up in this kind of world of sin and depravity where drugs, gambling, prostitution are rife. You see, you see, they're very, very clever, knowledgeable people, but ultimately what they lack is the wisdom of God to live a life which is ultimately going to fulfill them. And as a result, life becomes messy and it becomes chaotic and eventually it becomes broken. We all need wisdom. We all need the wisdom of God in our life in order to fulfill the purposes that God has given to each and every one of us. We need wisdom ultimately to truly know God. Having said that, we do need knowledge as well. Remember Proverbs 9 and verse 10 tells us that knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And when we have knowledge of the Holy One, we begin to understand how we obtain wisdom. Why? because we begin to understand how we draw close to God for ourselves. So what does it therefore teach us? Well, firstly, if we want to obtain wisdom and therefore know God, this message which runs throughout Proverbs is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to know God... It starts with having a fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9 verse 10 again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In effect, this idea of the fear of the Lord is both the theme of the entire book of Proverbs and it is the key which under, unlocks wisdom for us. And in many respects, the main emphasis of the entire Bible is based on this idea of the fear of the Lord. And therefore, the first lesson 
that we must learn when it comes to wisdom is we need to have a proper view of who God is. All too often our response and our growth as Christians is stunted because we can have a wrong view of God. I was at a CVM conference yesterday and I was speaking a little bit about this subject but when we see God in the wrong way we can fall into this notion that God is simply our mate or our buddy or worse still we see God as this kind of genie in a bottle which we don't really need to have a relationship with but actually when things begin to get a bit bad we rub the, the lamp and poof out comes God and he gives us our wishes at that point but that is not the God that we serve that is not God at all and where wisdom comes in is it begins to help us get a picture of what God is truly like we begin to understand the awe and the wonder and the magnitude of the God that we serve now when we talk about the fear of the Lord I don't know what comes to mind for you I don't know what is conjured up for you but often when we talk about the fear of the Lord in church we often talk about this idea of a reverential respect for God just as a son respects his father so too should we respect this awesome God that we serve and yes reverential respect is part of us fearing the Lord but allow me to be a little bit controversial for a second I wonder if that doesn't go far enough let me show you why we read these words in Philippians 2 and verse 12 that we are called to work out our salvation with fear and with trembling and in the Old Testament if we were to look at the book of Isaiah together this morning, we see this amazing image where Isaiah has this vision of God. And when he has this vision of God, the building itself shakes. And we read that the train of his robe fills the temple. And then we read these words, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then, if we were to look at the book of Revelation together this morning, we see John, when he sees Jesus, and what we read is when John sees Jesus in the book of Revelation, he falls down as though dead. God is not just this big guy in the sky. He's not simply the man upstairs. He is the Lord of hosts, the most high God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is awesome in every sense of the words. And the concept of this idea of fearing the Lord may seem a little bit strange to us because after all, when we come to church, often what we sing about is the love of God. He's a good, good father. We can run to him. Oh, the reckless love of God. But there's another side to God that often we don't talk about. That he is awesome and majestic in every way. And actually, we should fear him. So what does the Bible tell us when it tells us about fearing God? Why does it tell us to fear God? Well, I believe it tells us to fear God because when we learn to fear God in the way that scripture teaches us to, it begins to actually banish every other fear that we have within us. Oswald Chambers put it like this, when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. That's true, isn't it? 
We live in a world of fear right now. We've had fear over a virus that has gone on for two years. People have not come out of their house for two years. People are still isolating because of this thing that has happened. We live in a world where we are fearful that World War Three is around the corner because what is going on in this world right now? But if we're a Christian and we have a right view of who God is, yes, the world looks fearful, but we have nothing to fear because we know the end of the story. We know how this is going to end. We know that one day Jesus returns. We know that one day he takes his followers to be with him in glory forever. So therefore, actually, there's nothing for us to fear. Fearing God ultimately means recognizing God for who he is, that he is the creator and we are the created. He is the master and we're the servants. The phrase to fear the Lord literally means to live before the face of God. It's this idea that we are so in awe of him that we long to obey him. And you can tell that you fear the Lord when the opinion of God matters more to you than anything else in your life. And the wonderful thing about this idea of fearing the Lord, let's go back to that Uh, passage in Revelation for a minute where we see John falling at the feet of Jesus as though dead just after he does this we read these words when I saw him I fell at his feet as though dead then he placed his right hand on me and he said do not be afraid I am the first and the last do you see that when we get to a point of fearing the Lord's When we understand who he is, the command of Jesus is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Enter into relationship with me. When we put God in his rightful place in our life, then he invites us into the most intimate of relationships with him. Francis Chan said this, without the fear of the Lord, you're not going to understand why you should follow Jesus. Without a proper understanding of the fear of the Lord, we wouldn't understand the power that is available to us through the Holy Spirit. Without a fear of the Lord, we never truly grasp who God is. And as a result, we never truly know him. And as a result of that, we never truly are empowered to live the way that he calls us to live. That's why all too often in the Western world, the church grows cold because it lacks a true fear of the Lord and doesn't see God for who he is and therefore doesn't put him in his rightful place. And if we are going to be a people who live from the blueprint of life that God has set out for us, this is where it starts. And you know, fearing God, fearing the Lord starts with a choice. Proverbs 1, 28 and 29 says this, they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. It starts with focusing our minds on fearing God. A.W. Tozer said this, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. You see, there is that direct correlation between your view of God and how you behave. When we do simply view God as our buddy or our mate, doesn't really matter what we do because hey we can just say sorry and it'll all be all right again it's all good it doesn't matter if I don't put God in the rightful place in my life because he doesn't really mind anyway but when we start to see God in 
light of who he truly is, this awesome, holy, majestic God, then it starts to affect every area of our life. And we choose to live in a very different way. Proverbs 14 verse 2 says this, He whose walk is upright fears the Lord, but he whose ways are devious despises him. So we get wisdom by fearing the Lord's. The knowledge of the Holy One causes us to fear and then we understand who God is and we choose to live for him. So, what next? To get wisdom, we need to determine to get wisdom. Proverbs 2, 1-5 says this, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding... And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Notice that in this particular passage, Solomon uses the phrase, if you, three times. And what Solomon wants us to understand here is that if we want it, We must determine to get it. We must be determined to get it. Wisdom doesn't just come as part of growing up or growing old. I've met some older people who have been around the block a few times, but they ain't got no wisdom. And Proverbs 4 verse 7 says this, Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom, though at all costs you have to get understanding. Obtaining wisdom is ultimately costly. We have to be a people who are determined to get it. We have to be a people who are prepared to pay for it. What sacrifices, I wonder, are you willing to make in order to obtain the wisdom that God wants you to have and to therefore know God as he calls you to know him? In order to live by that design, to live off that blueprint that only God gives, what are you prepared to do? Thirdly, if you want to get wisdom in your life today, you need to ask for it. Do you know how Solomon himself, the writer of this book of Proverbs, got the wisdom that he did to lead Israel? He asked for it. One night, God appeared to Solomon and he said to Solomon, Solomon, you can have anything you want. Anything you want. Absolutely anything. Simply ask me for it. What is it that you want? Solomon could have asked for riches that night. He could have asked for a long life. He could have asked for health. He could have asked for absolutely anything. But what did he ask for? He simply asked God for wisdom. And we read these words in James 1 and verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. I wonder... If there's anyone here today who is in need of some wisdom in their life right now. I wonder if there's anyone here today or watching online who has big decisions that need to be made and you're wondering what you need to do about them. Maybe you are at a crossroads in life right now and you don't know which way you should go. 
Maybe you're in the habit of lurching from one crisis to the next in your life, whether it's financial, relational, whatever it might be. You simply don't seem to be able to get out of sticky situations and sticky messes all the time. And you know that you need some wisdom in order to help you get some clarity. The best prayer that you can pray today is, God, give me your wisdom. And over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of these themes throughout Scripture that the book of Proverbs places such a priority on. And we're going to be looking at how God can interact and intervene in our daily lives and our daily situations in order to make our life more godly and help us to live off the blueprint that he provides for us. And if you are here today and you are in need of God's wisdom, I want to encourage you to look again at who God is. Proverbs 9 verse 10 says that knowledge of the Holy One is understanding and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He is a loving heavenly Father, but he is also a God who we are called to revere and to fear. And it's when we get to that point of awe and wonder when we realize that he is God and we are not. That is when wisdom begins to sprout because we realize that actually we haven't got all the answers in life and we can't rely on our own ways and our own wills in order to get us to the point that we're called to get to. If you're here today and you are in need of wisdom, I want to say to you today, be determined to get it. And a really simple way that you can do that is to make the book of Proverbs a priority in your life. Make sure you read the other books of Scripture, of course, but one really simple technique to help you begin to understand the blueprint that God has for your life. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Most of the months of the year have 31 days. Choose to read a proverb a day, a, book, a chapter of Proverbs a day, and see what God might be saying to you as a result of diligent study of the scripture and if you're in need of wisdom here today I want to encourage you once again to simply ask for it we read in scripture Jesus saying the words if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children imagine what our heavenly father will give to you if you ask for it there is good news today there is wisdom for even the most foolish person when they turn to God, when they fix their eyes upon him, when they seek him with all of their heart and they seek and determine themselves to know him for themselves. Where are you at today, I wonder?